Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Well, 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 you have made it to the Fox Across America Game Ball presentation. And uh, this one's a little unorthodox. I got to be honest, I'm not going to lie. Every week, you know, I award the guest who I think had the biggest impact on the conversation we've been trying to have, who either A, made me laugh or hipped me to some fun fact I didn't quite understand and kind of changed the trajectory of my thought process on a major issue. Well, this week, we had a guest on the show for the first time in the history of Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, and that guest's name was Jimmy Fallon. And I am giving myself the game ball. I don't care what you people say. I am taking the game ball, and I am running with it. Because in the midst of this Donald Trump food fight in the Republican Party, Paul Gleiser did a phenomenal show of hosting and filling in for me, and unfortunately forgot to lock the door when I got to Tyler, Texas. So I barreled into the studio. I did a guest hit on my own show, and i got to be honest with you. Okay, the points that were made about the issues we're discussing, I was quite pleased with. So I am, for the first time in history, going to give the game ball to myself. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. I don't doubt it, but I'm taking the game ball anyway, and there's nothing you can do. Garbage like you just makes me sick. Happy listening, everybody. I'll be back Monday morning to do it again live from Fox News headquarters in New York City. But I do want you to consider this conversation, because Paul is as good of an interview and as good of a conversation framer as there is in radio. And uh, he really put me in a position to make the key points that I think have to be made about this whole Trump hullabaloo. So enjoy, and I'll see you back here on Monday. Hey, you know, Jimmy Fallon's in the house. We just got past the first technical. Hey, push the button. Push the button. Push the button. Okay, now. Yo! You got me now? Yeah, we got you now. You're hey, new, everybody. You're new at this, right? Yeah, I <laughs> <laughs> at the guest thing, yes. Okay, you never, it's true. You've never been a guest, and we're making you do your own technical. Can I tell you something, though? All of this aside, I'm still in such great spirits. You know how much I love being in Texas? Uh, and we made it through. We had a moment at the airport today. There was a dog sniffing luggage. Like, it was one of those oh, deals where you didn't have to take... it's a bad take, moment for you, isn't Well, it? it's a bad moment for Lincoln's stash. Like, I was afraid, <laughs> like, heaven forbid this dog alerts on my dirtbag son. And then we got Fox News guy apprehended at the airport because God knows what's in Lincoln's bag. But no, we made it in in one piece. And it's great to see you. Great to see you. Thanks for coming. You know, just, just a little bit of, of self-promotion. You're here because KTBB turned 75 today. Uh, it's crazy. Happy birthday. 75 years ago today, the license was issued by the FCC. You're here for a party for our advertisers tonight, and it's incredibly nice of you to come in, and it's really cool. You'll be here tomorrow doing the show from the studio, and uh, we've got a meet and greet uh, in Longview tomorrow yep. at 3 o'clock at Papacita's Mexican Restaurant. So we got all of that out of the way. Okay? <laughs> yes. So we've uh -huh. covered all of that. So, mm -hmm. all right, you've had, you've had 48 hours to distill your thinking on all of this. Mm -hmm. The callers are, are like 8 to 1 against Donald Trump running. It's crazy, right? I mean, we yesterday, the actual total, I believe, was 25 to 4. Uh, and what's happening right. is okay. 
Within social media, within talk radio, you're hearing a lot of consistency about maybe Trump isn't the guy nationally. We like him. The whole thing we keep coming back to with DeSantis, better with minority outreach, better with women. But the conundrum right now is in the actual leadership positions of the Republican Party and in a lot of the upper echelons of media, nobody wants to be the one to say Trump's time is up because most of the people in a position to do so either know Trump, golf at Mar-a-Lago, or have the hots for Melania. Okay, I I can respect all three. I get it. Okay, I I completely understand. But I think what's going to happen is if Trump is dumb enough to announce he should run that he's running next week, uh, DeSantis, who is giving him a lesson in how to be presidential by not responding to him. DeSantis is going to let Trump hang himself into the spring, and the party and the people will be tired of Trump before anybody like DeSantis even needs to get into the ring. Do you remember the rope-a-dope where Muhammad Ali fought George Foreman? Oh, sure. And Ali just hung out in the corner and let Foreman punch himself silly? Yeah. We're kind of watching that right now. Trump has taken three different shots at DeSantis. And he's not getting a response. Why? Because DeSantis knows if you respond, you breathe oxygen into the story, you elevate it in stature. Oh, here we go, the Trump-DeSantis fight. So instead, he's just letting Trump's shadow box with himself, which I think, you know, reflects terribly on Trump. And I think he's going to wind up, if he announces next week, he's going to wind up sinking his own battleship. Because two years of Trump is a lot of Trump. With all due respect, again, great policies. I like the guy. I go out of my way to make the point every time. Absolutely. Uh, But I think two years of Trump right now uh, is too much oxygen sucked out of the room, and I think there'd be a general fatigue. Don't forget, when he ran last time, he didn't announce until June of 2015. Right. And by that time, there were about 23 other people running for president. I think I was running the first week of June. You know, so yeah. this time around, you're looking at a guy who's getting in the ring eight months early. He's the only guy. He's got nobody to fight with. You know, every superhero needs some type of a foil. But DeSantis isn't going to be the foil. He doesn't need to be. You know, he just won the governorship. He's not pivoting to presidential mode today. He and he also he covered the spread in mm-hmm. Florida in oh. a way that we nobody thought was possible. When you talk about Miami Dade. Okay, a county that he lost with Trump's endorsement in 2018, it's nearly a 40-point swing between 2018 and now. Right. Based on the fact that he's been able to govern for these people and demonstrate a level of competency that, you know, really does cater to everyone. This is the thing, and everybody overthinks, I think, voter outreach. You know, it's like, well, the Latinos like this, you know, the black voters like this, the female, no, no, they all like the same thing. I want money. And I want to feel safe going to the store to spend it. And if you can prioritize that stuff, you know, which what DeSantis did, he didn't crash their economy and he let them go to the store whichever way they wanted to. Vaccinated, masked, armed, whatever you do. okay. Um, And that's why I think DeSantis is the guy if the election was held tomorrow. I think most Republicans know that. I think most listeners know that. Uh, And I think on some level Trump knows that because DeSantis in his head, he's tweeted about DeSantis again last night. Did you see that? No. What do you say about DeSantis So we're on the set of Gutfeld last night. Yeah. Me and our lovable comedy dwarf, Greg Gutfeld. Right. um, And we had a nice time telling the jokes, doing the ha-has. And I get an alert on my phone that Trump's on Truth Social pointing out that he got a million more votes in the 2020 election in the state of Florida than DeSantis did on election night. As if there is no distinction between voter turnout in a presidential election yeah, really? and a midterm. 
Like, come on. If you tally up the votes nationwide, which is impossible, by the way, because we can't count anymore. No, we can't. We, <laughs> now, can't, we can't hear. I know. You guys are great. Florida's great. But where I, live in, where I live in New York, you live in a blue state. When you walk out of the booth, they give you a sticker that says, I waited. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't vote. You just waited. You just yeah. This is crazy. I yeah. keep getting these updates about where the votes are. Like, I didn't order them on Amazon. Yeah. I just voted. Tell me who won. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And why is it 2022 we can't do that? We don't want to. I mean, you know that. Yeah, we do know that. Mm -hmm. You know, if if American Express can have me a a new working credit card in 24 hours. And they can. And they can. And if if Amazon can know everything about everything I've ever bought and I'm going to buy... Dude, how can we not count thank votes? Thank you. They, have, they, they practically have something called Amazon Tomorrow, where it'll right. just ship you today what it knows you'll want tomorrow. Right. But we can't add. We can't, we can't go one, two, three, four, five, so, six. So here it is, because that's the big driving force behind why the midterms were so surprising to so many people. As I think mail-in has changed the game in a way that people can't quite comprehend yet. And what I mean is, for the first time ever, people are now voting a full month before they get any exposure to the candidates. Fetterman's a good example. Fetterman's a prime example Most of of the state, not most of the state, but a good percentage of his support voted before he had that debate. Before we found out that he can't even form a sentence. He's in a tough spot. If he was any slower, they'd make him president. (laughs) (laughs) The poor, hey, a little little something there. A little red meat for the kids. Come on here. We're in Texas. Gotta have a fiddle in the band. Yeah, so, so listen, you know, we're not, you and I are not necessarily making friends here because mm-hmm. I've got, we've, we've, we've mm-hmm. lost one. Okay. Bobby, uh, I was 65. I was listening to you on Fox Across America. I've been a fan, but no more. Oh, Bobby, don't do us I like heard that. Jimmy giving negative comments about Trump. It's not about Trump. I hate to say bye. Okay, okay. So well, Bobby. Bye-bye, Bobby. Bobby, Jenny has pulled this move 33 times in our marriage. <laughs> Pack the suitcase, put on the hat. You'll be back. Drive around the block listening to I Will Love, Always Love You by Dolly Parton. It works for Jenny. And come back. <laughs> Bobby and everybody listening, I want you to understand, okay, it's not negative about Trump. To be clear, if Trump is the Republican nominee, we're all voting for him. There's no world where we're voting for Biden instead or whatever transgender Eskimo the Democrats nominate because they haven't had one before. We clearly support his policies over any Democrat. So we're not here to disparage Trump. We're here to make a point that in order to win this election, we need a lot of people who would never, ever in a million years consider voting for him to vote for him. But what I just said is the qualifier. They, there's no version of this where the people on the left who hate Trump as a lifestyle turn around and go, you got me. You know what I'm voting for? You got me. Okay, if that were the case, we would have won the midterms. Okay, when you think of the issues people vote on, their pocketbook, which is the A, B, and C, but you can throw in crime and fuel prices and everything in between, okay, we didn't win. And we didn't necessarily have the worst candidates. Like, I'm not a big Dr. Oz guy. But across the board, with those advantages, you're supposed to win that game. Yeah, why not? You, what happened? You know those luxury hunting clubs where it's like it's a, it's the size of a football field, but they've put 3,500 deer? <laughs> like, it's physically impossible not to kill a deer? Yeah. We came home with no deer. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, but... but- but how come? I mean, what happened? Two things. Okay, one of them is mail-in balloting. They can turn out the vote now in a way that they couldn't. Traditionally, midterm turnout is low. And if people are indifferent to candidates or to the issues, it's always low. But they were able to juice turnout anyway, just like they did in 2020. For candidates, the voters weren't necessarily passionate about. But it doesn't take passion to lick a stamp and stick it on an envelope or put it in a drop box down the hall from your house. I think that's issue number one. I think issue number two is the Democrats succeeded in, in running on a lie about abortion. 
And what I mean is they made the case convincingly to a lot of women that Republicans were banning abortion. You were going to jail if you got one. The repeal of Roe v. Wade had criminalized abortion. When reality is, we know it's a state issue. You don't want the Fed stepping in on anything. Right. But I think a lot of the people in the Democratic Party are what they slander constantly. The left likes to point about, you know, point out uh, low information voters. There's no more low information voter than someone who thinks abortion was just banned. You know, correct. Thank you. Or that Vladimir Putin controls the government. He does. He does. He can't control his own government right now. He's not even covering the spread against Ukraine. That's Come on, true. Putin. I'm underwhelmed. Yeah, as, as, the late, as the late great John McCain once said, you know, Russia's a gas station with nukes. That's, that's true. what he had called them. And that's kind of what they are. That's true. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, you know, I, I think the go forward on this is we like Trump uh, before everybody hangs up and curses and changes the station. Uh, if he gets the nomination, we support him. But while we have a chance to properly vet this, you know, measure twice, cut once, okay, we're two years away from this election. In what world, you know, do you just blanket hand the nomination to somebody who you know has a 65% unfavorable rating? You know, I think that's us rooting for the story instead of rooting for the actual reality we're living in. Okay, so what do you want to see Trump do on Tuesday? Uh, nudes of Melania. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Jenny, are you listening? Don't go anywhere. Jenny, where are you going? I love you, babe. No, um, what I think he's going to do is I actually think he's going to find a fallback announcement. I, he's got to be smart enough not to announce on Tuesday. It's First of all, it's too soon. There's no momentum. And I, I think there's a point to be made that I heard you make earlier, which is he's now overshadowing the runoff. Absolutely true. They're going to lose the Senate twice because of him. Yes, if true. If he jumps I mean, in now. Yeah, true. Because let's be very clear about what went on in Pennsylvania. Yes, a lot of mail-in voting, which made life easier for Fetterman. But Trump's unfavorables in Pennsylvania are massive. And, you know, Trump getting in on behalf of Oz, as much as you might be listening to the show and saying, hey, I like Trump, how dare you say that, you're not the guy voting. The people voting, we have to acknowledge that they have a sensibility that isn't ours. And that's part of this that you have to be a little wary of right now. So what I want to see him do on Tuesday is announce that he shortened his list of VPs to like three. And if he does run, it'll be these just something, you know, that isn't quite admitting he wanted to run but couldn't because of the midterms because that's too much hubris for him. But if he does just announce that he's running, he's he will not there. I would bet anyone listening anything that he will not get the nomination. Yeah, but let me tell you what I ran into with Trump for the mm-hmm. entire four years of his presidency and the year of his candidacy, and particularly the four years of his presidency, with people that I knew that were nominal righty voters, uh-huh. you know, not as into it as you and I, mm-hmm. but what I ran into, they, I, the, the people would talk about, I just can't stand the way he tweets, I can't stand what he's, and I'd say, but the policy, yeah, it, but the cares? policy, but the, and it never cut, it never cut. Never. And what's so crazy about it, though, is, like, his tweets don't affect your ability to pay your bills. You know, they don't, right. affect, they don't affect anything in your life. It's superficial stuff. I think that's the point I come back to with Trump is we had a lot of luxuries under Trump because the quality of life was so much better. You know, right. we yes. could get mad about his tweets. We don't care what Biden tweets right now. First of all, we know, we know he's not tweeting it himself. If you were tweeting a verbatim of what Joe Biden said, it would look like a cat walked across a keyboard. You know, there's no world where he's running his own tweets. But even if he was, we wouldn't care, you know, right. because we don't have the luxury to care about Twitter because we got too many other things going on. So Trump definitely uh, represents a better time in this country in terms of the quality of life, but not the political quality of life because there was so much unrest. And I'm not saying it was his fault. It was certainly the media's fault. It was more reprehensible than what he did. You know? the, the media has was you know, always disliked Republicans, but mm-hmm. they went flat out dishonest. Yep. They, they, they avowedly dishonest. And this, this, is, this is my assessment of that because everyone who runs gets that treatment. 
Okay, every Republican gets treated like Trump. But DeSantis has been getting treated like Trump for two years and does a good job of, like Carrie Lake does, flies right into the storm. When the media accuses him of something, he says, oh, well, the Democrats do that. Why don't you say a word when they do that? You know, he brings receipts, as they say. Yeah. And I think DeSantis has more poise in the pocket, to put it in football terms, doesn't commit the unforced error. I mean, again, doesn't even mean he's going to run, you know, and it doesn't mean I wouldn't be open to considering other people. I don't think we just hand DeSantis the nomination tomorrow. We got two years. Well, here's what I said at the top of the program. As you Mm -hmm. know, the the guy who looks like the guy Mm -hmm. uh, two years out is never the guy. Ever, ever, ever the guy. He's never the guy. I think 2008 was supposed to be Hillary's year. Obama jumped it there. Yep, absolutely. There was no way in the world Jeb Bush was not going to be the nominee. Ever. Think about that. Think about that. He was... It was presumptive nominee in 2016. Everyone in Honduras is walking around with a Philadelphia Phillies World Series championship sweatshirt right now <laughs> and a President Jeb Bush sweatshirt. <laughs> There's a whole lot of that going on. <laughs> absolutely true. So the, the, that's one, one reason. If I want to keep DeSantis in the mix, I don't want to get too far out in front with him. He, and he, he doesn't have to. That's the thing. He has the luxury of being a governor, an overwhelmingly popular governor, and he can just go govern. He doesn't. If he wants to jump in, he can jump in the next fall. You don't need to be doing this now. Trump's only doing it now because there's a big groundswell of support for DeSantis and he wants to take the oxygen out of the room and consolidate support. And plus fundraising matters. But uh, he's going to have a hard time. That's all I'm saying. It doesn't mean we don't like Trump. It doesn't mean stop listening to the show. We love Trump. Okay, I drink with his daughter-in-law. I think they're all wonderful. These are great people. I'm not, I'm just trying to be fair about the process because I think that's our job as Americans. We're not activists. We're Americans and we're talk show hosts and I want to go get more ribs in the break room. Well, listen, I, you, Josh, Josh, and Mikey have said that I have to finish the show. What do you mean? <laughs> they <laughs> they do told that to me, me. I, they have to finish the show. I've been sitting here. You've been eating ribs. Yes. I've been smelling ribs. <laughs> He's like a dog. He actually gave me paw when I walked in. It was it was awkward as hell. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.